Hi, everyone. Welcome to Tent Talks Podcast. I'm your host, Stacey Nelson. And today, I want to talk about my grandmothers. I have kind of an interesting heritage. And I feel very connected to my grandmothers on both sides, particularly my mother's mom, because she grew up really close to us and really involved. I spent many summers together, lots of sleepovers. And she's been gone for, let's see, almost 20 years. I mean, it's been a long time. And I just still probably think about her every day. Her presence and her love made such an impact on my life, that it's something that I go back to, to feel the reserves of that within me because I I know she loved me. I know she cared about me. And there's so many body memories, embodiment, you know, it's like pictures and time spent and just having that be a real nourishing part of my life is something that I honestly rely on a lot. I spend a lot of time thinking about that. This conversation of why I'm even talking about this came about because I was talking to a friend and she volunteers at this farm and the owner of the farm, it's named after her grandpa. And there's like the farmhouse attached onto it. And she was like, everything is named after my grandpa, but this was like my grandmother's home. And what about her presence? And, and how can we honor her? And so there was this conversation about like honoring your grandmothers and especially in this land in Utah, how are women honoring their grandmothers and the women that came before them? Because it is such a patriarchal dominated society, but part of the patriarchal mindset is just honoring men loudly and naming things after men and having stories about men and just continuing the narrative, the history, rather than the herstory. <laughs> I think it's funny when people write herstory instead of history, but I just do it to be silly sometimes. But I literally reached out to my little nephew who's on a mission and asked him about some family story about my great, great grandmother on my mom's side, because there's not a lot of information about her. Because my grandmother's real mom passed away when she was younger, and she was raised by a stepmom. So I knew her stepmom, who was my great grandmother. But I didn't know really much about her real mom. And then that lineage, you know, carrying through her real mom. So anyway, I did a little investigation and it was, it was pretty cool. And there's so many things that are passed down generationally that you just wouldn't think. And I specifically wanted to hear some stories or journal excerpts or just any information that wasn't just like birth certificate or death certificate. And my nephew, he's just such a whiz at like family history. He just found me everything I wanted in a matter of like 15 minutes. And I just I think that's so amazing to preserve the voices and the lives of particularly mothers and women, because 
they hold so much community information. And a few episodes back, I was talking about in honor of women for Women's Day. And I was just thinking about how much information women carry in their bodies and in their lived experience, because they're in the know of a lot of things that maybe men don't pay attention to. And so women contain a lot of wisdom and stories and can pass on a lot of information. So today I just kind of wanted to talk about this thing that I've thought about over and over with both of my grandmothers, because I feel it. I feel it in my bones, in my body, this very specific preservation of important and sacred things and this ability to start up and to help causes that you really believe in. So I want to start with my mom's mom, and then I'll talk about my dad's mom. My mom's mom was born and raised all throughout Utah and specifically like small town Utah. And she got married really young. I think she was still in high school. And of course, my grandpa was just this like, complete heartthrob, totally handsome. And he had a lot of really charming qualities and a lot of real talent. But he was also an alcoholic. And he was also a gambler. And he was also a cowboy that just longed for freedom and adventure and finding his own, like making something of himself. And as a result, my grandmother, she divorced him. And she had, I think my mom was in high school or had just gotten married. And my grandmother divorced my grandpa. And in the 70s, that was a pretty bold mood for a lady because she would have been left with kids. She probably wasn't getting any financial support from him. And we've already talked about like the capacity for a woman to be helped financially on her own. Like women had to have male co-signers up until the 80s for credit, for houses, for bank accounts, for lots of things. So I'm sure that her decision to get a divorce was very dire, very intentional. And she did it. And she moved her family to a small town in Colorado. And my grandmother was Mormon. And she basically, I learned this at her funeral. I did not even know this from her own life because she didn't even talk about it or celebrate it. It was just probably something so embodied in her. It was probably just like looking down and seeing her hands or something like it's nothing brilliant. It's just something I've done. But essentially she started a branch in Colorado. And what that is for people who aren't familiar with Mormon language, it's like collecting members of this church and putting them together in a congregation and like organizing it so that you have like the flow of church. So you know, when you go to McDonald's and like anywhere you go, it's going to taste the same. That's kind of like Mormonism. And like the goal of it, like anywhere you go, you're going to have this comfortable, familiar flow, going to teach the same information. So everything is streamlined. It's the same. So like every down to the lesson plans, like it's a very organized religion. And what that does is it provides this framework of safety and stability. And I just think about my grandmother getting divorced totally 
in this vulnerable position and she becomes the stable structure. She moves to Colorado. She was so social. She was so kind. She was so compassionate. I can just see her gathering up people from miles and miles and miles because it was probably a huge territory of people. And she found a way to organize it and put it together. And my mom talks about like having to learn how to play the keyboard for the little tiny uh, ward and like practicing on pieces of paper because she didn't have a keyboard. Like we're talking major startup. And my grandmother, through her ability to social network and to find support and structure, was able to put this together and give her children the kind of childhood that she wanted for them and friends and opportunities to serve and something different than what her ex-husband could provide. And I just, I don't know, I just think about how brilliant that was. You know, it's hard for me to envision that era because I wasn't there, but I just imagine her spending hours on the phone. I imagine her spending so much time driving to people's homes, cooking meals on a very limited budget, like making things magically spread, like creating a feast out of three ingredients. I can just see that for her. And I can see her thriving in that. And what's funny when I think about her name is Grandma Joanne, when I think about her as a kid, that woman knew how to network. She was on the phone hours a day. She was calling everybody. She knew everything about everyone. And it was really deep stuff. Like I learned a lot of things as a child, just by sitting at my grandmother's feet and listening to the way that she interacts and how she interacts is something I've modeled throughout my lifetime. My mom was not the same. She did not spend hours on the phone. In fact, she hated the phone. She's not a real social light. I wouldn't say that her network is really big. I wouldn't say that she puts a lot of time into it. I didn't get those traits from my mother, but I think I got it from her mom. And I can see that in the way that as a kid, she would give us opportunities to meet people in ways that my mother never could have because she was, you know, busy with raising kids and working and and doing her thing. But meanwhile, we went to my grandmother's house and we had cousins parties and we got to meet our second cousins. And she explained to us what that was. And she was going to the senior citizens center and having lunch. And, and she learned community in a way that was really true, genuine community. She took care of her in-laws. Remember, she got divorced in the 70s. When she moved back to Utah, she was bringing her in-laws meals and taking them to their doctor's appointments and running them around and doing fun things with them. Like I remember watching the Utah Jazz games with my my great-grandpa, who was one of the, I think he was the oldest man living in Provo when he died. But she was just that's just who she was. She drove across town and took care of her in-laws because that's who she was. And she just made a real effort to extend her care beyond herself. And she had a huge social life. 
And she had a big network and she just had a real talent for connecting with people. And her ability to start that branch, it makes so much sense to me because that's probably the foundation of how she really, really had to learn how to do that. She had to create a life for her and her kids being newly divorced in the 70s. I just, I don't know how, I don't even know how to put it into words how amazing and brilliant I think she was to do that and to follow her faith and be so driven. And I just, I applaud that. I applaud that. And even into her last living days. I mean, I remember her being the compassionate service person in her ward because she just made phone call after phone call and chatted with everybody and found out what they needed and, and came up with a real plan for them of how those needs could be met. And that's such a huge skill and it often gets overlooked in communities, but I see it and I honor it and I recognize it because I think that it rubbed off on me. I think years of being around that, I saw what a joy and a gift that was to the world and, and what it meant to me that when I was with her, she could help me with the things that I needed. And she could show me love in ways that nobody else was doing. And I I don't know, I just, just love her so much. And then there's my dad's mom. And she grew up in Chicago and Michigan area. And when she was young married with I don't know how many kids she would have had, but she she had a lot of kids. She had six kids. And there's like, I think, more than 20 years between the oldest and the youngest. So she was having kids for a long time. But there came a time when they were raising the community, her congregation, her, it was probably more like a branch again, like a younger, smaller group of people that were trying to make this experience of the church, you know, like the McDonald's experience, like the same, but working with breadcrumbs. So like my other grandma, my dad's mom, Grandma Gloria, found herself in the same position, a small group of Mormons looking to have church. She wants to raise her family, her children in the church. And there's just not a lot of stability, not a lot of resources. And so what my dad's mom did is she thought of a solution and she was a really great cook. And she started a catering business and she raised money to build their church building. I mean, I can't even imagine starting a company like I've started my own company. I've started my own businesses. It takes everything I have, but I can't imagine starting a catering business to raise money for my church for my belief systems, for the stability of my kids, for the hope and that container of safety and what I believed in, making sure that that was solid for my children. And she did that. And I imagine it was kind of the same situation. She probably spent a lot of time on the phone. She probably spent a lot of time organizing things. She probably spent 
a lot of time baking things in the hot, hot summers. And I can just feel that kind of drive and ambition and foresight to look ahead. And, and I, I feel that, and I feel that they, that they did all of this, not only for their children so that their children could have that kind of stability that they wanted for them. But I, I also think it's part of this really big picture of preservation of the values that you're aligned with. You, you want them more embodied and more everlasting. And so you do this physical thing to make sure that the thing that you care about and that you value and that you've raised money for and spent hours toward is passed on. That all of that work can continue after you're gone. And I think that's just so incredibly beautiful and worth celebrating, worth talking about. And I feel like in a way I did that and I, and I do that. But when I was running my Utah County red tent women's group, that's when I first made this connection of the reason that I do this, my why, my, my purpose here is because I value womanhood and I value celebrating women and I value women finding their own power, their own voice, their own truth. And I needed a structure for other women in this community to find the support of other women who were also committed to finding their own truth and voice and empowerment. And I spent a lot of my own resources, my time, my energy, my network to try to build this group. And it far surpassed anything I could have ever planned for it. I mean, it started in, it started in a, in a startup midwifery school and it just kept finding new homes. And then we up-leveled to my office and then we up-leveled to, we got an event center, but we just kept growing out of spaces. And by the time it ended, it was, it was a really hard decision to call it because it felt like, it felt like my heritage, like in my blood, this is, this is what I'm made to do. This is what my grandmothers before me on either side have done. They have built community out of nothing. They've dedicated their life to something that they believe in, that they, that they really value. And I saw that as just a core part of myself as well. And, you know, shortly after closing or, or ending red tent, there was this upheaval, you know, everybody was saying, why did you do that? When are you going to do it? Or is there going to be a start group? And for a few months, there was this fluctuation of trying, well, maybe we could try, you know, just something smaller. Maybe we could, but nothing was ever working out. And then, and then shortly thereafter was the pandemic and this state of isolation and rearranging values and 
looking at that time and saying, what would I have done different now that I know differently? What would I keep the same? And the same thing is true that I, that I feel this deep power and this force within my being, within my bones to, to start community, to, to share my values and, and create a physical reality to share them in. And it just kind of looks different now. And what it looks like right now is I'm going to start teaching workshops and classes at my business again, and it won't be structured the same way as my woman's group. And part of the changes just within me and the shifts that I have made internally will show up in the way that I present and teach. And it kind of scares me because as I want to reach out to my community again, there's a part of me that feels like, oh, I hope it won't be different because I know I've changed. And so I'm going to be doing things a little bit differently. And I, and I want to be received and I want to share again, but I know that it's got to look different because I'm different. And I've just kind of been really wrestling with that lately as I've been creating a workshop that I'm going to be hosting next month. And anyway, I've just been thinking a lot about, about who I am, where I came from, and these traits that are really powerful within me. And they came from my grandmothers and I recognize them and I, I see them in myself and I see them in a lot of other people as well. And I think it's really worth exploring who your grandmothers were and what they were doing with their life and what they were dedicating and what they felt called to preserve and called to share and maintain in their families. Because I think what you'll find is something similar within yourself because it does matter how we live and it does matter how we show up for other people. And, and it doesn't matter to take inventory of your personal value system and then live it. Most people don't take the time to do the internal work to say, this is something that I believe in. It's something that I want to uphold in my life. And how am I doing that? What is evidenced in my life that I'm actually living by my values. Anyway, it's just been on my mind and I wanted to share it with, with everyone that's listening. (laughs) Uh, Oh my gosh. Oh my goodness. Thank you everyone who has joined us on today's conversation. And if you like what you're hearing, please subscribe, please share. And want to thank Kimberly Mehmet on sound production for her great editing and production skills. And we'll see you next time on Tent Talks.